Stay hungry, stay foolish. So now on the Innovation Show, it's a pleasure to welcome Aaron Price, CEO and founder of Propellify. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Hey, man. Thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it. Let's launch into this. Let's tell the audience a little bit about yourself and how you got to set up Propellify. Well, so Propellify in its current state is uh, an innovation festival where this year we welcomed over 10,000 attendees to one of the largest technology and entrepreneurial events in the East Coast. We have talks, exhibitors, experiences, and a whole host of opportunities or a whole host of, of experiences to create opportunity for the innovation community. But it's rooted in being part of the tech community for quite a while. So you know, I've been a technology entrepreneur for the last it's almost 20 years now and found myself looking for a technology community to, to be a part of. Went to a few things in New York. I live in Hoboken, New Jersey, which is right across the river. Started the New Jersey Tech Meetup thinking it wouldn't you know, be 20 people sharing ideas. And now we're the state's largest tech group of 6,500 members. And so two years ago, I decided to lean in in that direction and launch something even bigger since the whole New York region's really matured. And that was how, how uh, Propellify came to be. I'm a big believer in, in getting people in the room virtually, you know, online and off, and seeing the kinds of things that happen, how people can help each other out and how business can happen in those settings. It really comes across, Aaron, the community aspect. You get that feel from from the event and the website, and it really comes across more, like when you think of events, and especially like annual events, they're just, they pop up and they're gone, and the event organizers try to keep people interested with email, newsletters, etc. But you've brought that to a whole new level where you have the meetups, you have a community that's always switched on. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, I, what I've noticed, I've never thought of myself as an event organizer or more formally when you talk about running festivals, vendors call you a, um, a promoter. I'm definitely not that. But what I've seen is, you know, being somebody who's, who's, whose whole career has been rooted in the tools that technology has made available there's a white space for how events can use technology to enhance the experience. And so for us, you know, while we run this event that so far has only happened once a year at this big scale, now we're leaning in really heavily on how technology can help um, create connections between people year round. And so we're building this membership community where people can, like right now we have this private Facebook group just for people who've attended our events. We call it the Propellify Insiders. And we're seeing really great engagement. We're just, it's really for now a testing platform, but only seven, over 77% of the community is engaged. They're posting jobs. They're asking for help. They're asking for service provider introductions. There's, they're announcing what they're working on and asking for beta feedback. And so that's a step in the right direction for us for how we can use technology to connect people, to create opportunity. Um, we're hosting live pitch sessions with investors in that group through Facebook Live. We're hosting live educational seminars just for that community, you know, again, using Facebook Live. So for us, we're, um, we're looking at how do we use technology to, in, an, in an appropriate way to engage people to add the value that we think we provide as a business. And for us, that's, you know, we see Propellify as a platform that creates opportunity, 
for you to for you to find talent, press, uh, capital, and clients. And so that happens online and offline. The event itself is sort of the the grand finale culmination each year of that. But there's a lot more that we can do to bring people together to help each other out, especially because entrepreneurship, if that's the angle of innovation that you're in, can be a somewhat lonely career choice. That's that's what I found, and that's one of the reasons that to me connecting with the community was so impactful because I found a group of of other people who were going through the same sorts of highs and lows that I was going through without the normal corporate structure uh, that you have when you have a more traditional you know career. Yeah, can can we talk about that, Aaron? Because I think that's a really interesting angle for this, and I know you know we're here to talk about the festival and and the ethos, etc. Well, let's talk about that because so many of our listeners go through that themselves. They may be heads of innovation, they may be change makers or digital transformation people in big corporates. Let's talk a bit, a bit about the loneliness and, and some of the stuff people experience in those roles. I mean, look, I think in general, people are looking for purpose. And one of the things that attracts me to technology is it makes it gives me a sense of purpose and control to do something you know, disruptive, which has become a big cliche, but to do something bigger that has an impact that can scale. Because I think that's what technology makes exciting. Instead of opening one, you know, two thousand square foot retail shop in a in a local area, you set up one domain that can hit eight billion people around the world if you're lucky enough. Um, and so, you know. The to me, the human side of this is a really important part of what we try to expose. I was in a warehouse. One of my businesses prior to this was a business that sold excess inventory for retailers. And we were doing pretty well. We had a warehouse. We processed excess, mostly returned and damaged merchandise. And I found myself surrounded by a lot of, um, uh, you know, we had a lot of high school workers processing inventory. And I found that it just wasn't being pushed. And as I, and not there's anything wrong with, you know, high school workers, some of them were very bright, ambitious people, but I just, you know, based on our experience level and the, some of you know, our career experience, as I encountered problems, I was struggling for mentors. I was struggling for a clear path, um, you know, day to day, sometimes just fun social banter, but often more professional goal setting was missing from my, uh, my day to day. And so that's why I proactively was like, I got to find a place that gives you know gives that uh you know the, that curiosity some room to breathe and so that's why i started going to some of these groups i mean this is seven years ago or i mean this is 10 15 years ago but really i i dug into the new jersey tech meetup that was launched uh seven years ago april and i mean i remember very clearly the very first tech event i went to was a startup weekend in new york city it was about 80 of us there and it was the very first time that i felt like holy crap there's a group of people who sort of see the world like I do and are sort of dealing with issues like I am and maybe you're running out of money or not sure what to do next or have a million things and need to figure out how to prioritize and aren't just taking, and not there's anything wrong at all with a more traditional career path, but aren't taking that career path. So for the entrepreneur, to me, just being in the room with those people was just like a breath of fresh air. And then for the corporate innovators, a lot of whom I think are rooted in that same mentality where like done well, Leveraging the resources of a large enterprise that gives you the flexibility to really be innovative. Again, like disruptive, innovative, these cliche words that not that many do all that well. But if you find yourself in an environment that really lets that thrive, I think you're hit with the same set of issues. How do you navigate, you know, if you're at a large company and you're a head of innovation, how do you navigate some of the 
The traditional corporate slowness when a big part of being innovative is the ability to act nimble. How do you take risks in a, in a place where traditionally enterprise companies are a bit more risk averse because they found their product market fit and they're just, you know, scaling that to the nth degree. And so we, tr- we, we try to provide a platform for people to share some of those doubts, to share some of those learnings, to share best practices and to create the opportunity, like I was saying before, for, you know, talent, press, uh, clients and capital, because that's ultimately, you know, if you figure out how to navigate those things, then I think you can be more successful in your career and find it a lot more fulfilling, which is something that we don't shy away from. You know, Ariana Huffington was our keynote speaker this year, talking a lot about wellness and, um, and purpose. These, you know, to me, the human element behind what makes people seek to be innovative is an important part of the conversation. And I think that's part of what we try to, to humanize in the process of bringing people together at our events. You know what, man, knowing that context of where you came from and, you know, the ethos behind it. So your your own personal need that you identified that you needed for yourself, it, it's just so common with innovators and entrepreneurs like yourself that you've, you've, you've found a problem and instead of just complaining about it and turning your back and going on complaining about it, you went and went, you know what, I can do something about this. And I think that's, that's what comes across, you know, and before we had this chat, I, I didn't know that. And, and that, that explains a, a hell of a lot of why, you know, you've chosen some of the speakers you've chosen, the topics you've chosen, because it's not a it's not a lipstick on a pig innovation event. It goes deeper into the tools you need as an innovator. So you, you, you mentioned the wellness part. That's huge because as an innovator in any company or a digital transformation person, you're going to come in against resistance time and time again. That's right. That's right. I'm glad that comes across because I think it's part of what gives us a bit of a competitive advantage to some of the other events that people consider attending. And for us, you know, we, you, you, you started with, you didn't just complain about it. You tried to do something about it. And that's, I think, the ethos of what we're about. In fact, that's why it's called Propellify. It's rooted in the concept that ideas are a dime a dozen. I'm a, a big believer in that. It's propelling them forward, creating that forward momentum and motion that uh, that makes something come to life and stay alive. I think the metaphor of the airplane is a perfect one where you don't just need the captain, you need the whole crew. You're going to hit turbulence, like things go wrong and you need that team to keep you to moving forward. You know, the idea itself is like that airplane, but sitting idle on a runway, it goes nowhere. And so that's what we try to capture and communicate at the event. And that's why you know, culturally, we do, you know, we're doing, we encourage people to high five each other. We do stickers instead of badges. So it's a l- slightly less, you know, nice stickers, but it's like slightly less formal. It doesn't feel quite as, as corporate, even though we have, you know, 30% of our attendees are corporate. But I think that for us, we want to represent the culture that I, that, that is a lot of what the New York tech region is about. I, I think a lot of what the tech culture is about, uh, at least in the U.S., which tends to be pretty welcoming, pretty out of the box thinking, pretty friendly, and generally a you know how can I help you before being asked to help kind of a culture. Not all the time, but but that's our goal. That definitely comes across, and I think that's from my experience, certainly with the show as well. Globally, there's a pay it forward kind of culture in the tech world, and and it's I think that's probably what attracts some of the corporates to your events is that. It's probably those kind of mavericks in the corporates that want to sample what the future holds, because hopefully this is a shift that we're seeing in society that big corporates and big businesses 
are moving more and more towards this world of a sharing economy and you know a world where we do pay it forward and it's it's about purpose and and so many big companies are missing that purpose at the moment yeah i totally agree but i also i think there's this misconception that it's all philanthropic this meant you know there's been a lot of people who've coined different phrases that mean something like give before you get but it's it's actually a strategy part of it it is is a mindset but it's also a smart strategy, I should say. It's not just a strategy. And because I, I can't tell you how many times I have I mean, trying to figure out ways I can connect people to make opportunity happen for them is, is something that's just been something I've always enjoyed doing. I've always met someone, asked them what they were doing, kind of mentally gone through the Rolodex thinking, wow, they should meet this person, this person, this person. And I'd often connect them. And what I have realized in that now that that's become sort of a profession that we're trying to do at scale um, that's a strategy that opens doors. The more you do that, the more you will find those things come back to you. People I find feel indebted to want to return the favor. In fact, just earlier last week, I think it was, or the week before, there was someone who I had invited to speak at an event. We, we maintained a, a light but and professional relationship. And then he was recently asked, um, to speak somewhere. They asked him who he thought might be a good speaker. He suggested me. This is like five years ago. I met this guy originally. He suggested me, and now you know there's a significant opportunity for me to speak at an at an at an event that's pretty large scale and impactful for us. Happens to be in Egypt, which is pretty cool. Um, I was invited to speak at the White House at some point. People make introductions all the time for people who could be good members of our team, good speakers, um, you know, good locations. So I, I don't I don't personally look to make you know, look at this you know give before you get piece with. And, you know, sort of mapping out strategically, what exactly am I going to get out of this conversation? But I do take note that a lot of times these things, most of the times these things come around um, and, and you know, pay it back often many times over. Or even better examples would be sponsor introductions, people who attend the event who say, you know, I went on my own, even though I work for XYZ company, I had such a great time. You know, you, you introduced us to so many good people. I really want you to talk to, uh, you know, so-and-so who are leads our sponsorship uh, activations because we really want to be involved in a bigger way. You know, that's that's not at all a, an uncommon, uh, you know, path for us. It's beautiful when it comes full circle like that. And, and I think you're right that if you did it with the intent of strings attached where, okay, I'm taking a note of who I, who I did an intro to or who I gave something to or, you know, you're you're keeping records. I don't think it works then. But when you actually do it with the authenticity that you are doing with, then the magic happens. But but I think uh, like when I when you look at you from from a, a wider in a wider lens, you know that's what you did with this event with the with the community because I nearly said event because so many innovation events are I I feel tainted or entrepreneurship events. They're 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 driven with a pure corporate goal or financial goal at the start, and when that happens, when that is the when that's the purpose, then it doesn't work. And but when you start with actually, I'm going to give, and then the, the the return on investment comes as a result. It's a totally different way of doing things. It is. It really is. Like we'll when we talk to our sponsors, we'll we'll we're very. Um, we feel very strongly about anything that they want to do has to be about something that, that 
is a benefit to the attendee or benefit to the community is what that really turns into. So a perfect example of that and a really perfect partner for us in this case, you know, this year was Jet.com, whose goal was to attract interesting um, talent. And so we brainstormed for a while and ultimately was, we came up with some pretty out-of-the-box ideas. But the, the, what we landed on was their idea, which was to bring in a Ferris wheel. And they, were, they conducted on-site interviews on a Ferris wheel to see if you were a good fit to work at Jet. And so that's like a perfect um, offering because it's a really interesting out-of-the-box way of thinking for a, a corporation. And it's a great, fun thing for somebody to do and to, to be a part of as an attendee versus, you know, you can imagine the alternative is like, hey, we have, uh, you know, a lounge set up in our booth and we're, we're conducting interviews, which is still totally fine. And some companies choose to go that route, but it's not nearly as impactful and, and innovative as, hey, let's bring in a Ferris wheel and see what happens. And that was that was a that was a really fun thing. It got, you know, we got a bunch of press out of that from Entrepreneur and Forbes and Cheddar. Um, and they got some great candidates. And so that's, you know, those are the kinds of things we want to do is show uniqueness and innovation, you know, at the event itself. And then we're doing a lot more things virtually, but, but for, for like out of the box thinking of what can we do that serves the attendee, you know, in that case, I, I, they have said like it drew out a different type of attendee or a different type of an applicant for them because it, it, it showcased that they were willing, um, to do things in a different way than, than people might traditionally think. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of um, content marketing where, you know, often the sponsor of content marketing will ruin the piece of work because they want X amount of keywords stuffed in there and they want the company mentioned and they make it like a pure piece of PR and nobody wants to read that while the publisher should push back and go, you know what, no, we know what's best, we know the way to do it. and. And in a way, that's why Propelify for me stands out as, as a purist event in that you don't seem to allow that to happen. And it's for the sponsor's sake as well, I find. Like, so you want the sponsorship to work. So you go, listen, we know our audience. We are our own audience in a way. So we know what will work for us and what won't. So just trust us. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it serves both both parties best, right? If we, if we, can, if we can convince a a sponsor to do something that hopefully they don't need convincing but if we can encourage and 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 uh, create an opportunity for a sponsor just saying that's creative they're going to attract more people to whatever it is their goal is like we don't start with hey let's just do something totally random and put your name on it we start with what's your business goal and so with jet you know recruiting right and then we brainstorm things okay well how do we make that stand out and we'll do the same sort of thing you know sometimes we're working with agencies sometimes the ideas aren't ours at all but it it drives better ROI for everybody. Like Sprint decided, let's just do, let's just give away ice cream and lemonade for an hour, which just got them a lot of really positive press and positive awareness, which, you know, Sprint is, I think, looking for more of that right now. And so in the tech community, that worked really well. It was a relatively easy thing. They had uh, lemonade guys with these giant lemonade backpacks walking around with yellow cups as their logo, handing out lemonade, like a lot of good feel good social media moments. For them, that works for their business goals. But it has to start with, you know, I don't want to underplay the the idea that it must start with business goals in mind. It's sort of like, like I was saying before, that give before you get mentality makes a lot of sense. And it's a strategy. If a sponsor looks at that, looks at event activation the same way, what can we provide that has the most value to attendees or our target audience in the most interesting way? 
they'll find it's going to also prove to have the best ROI. It's the same concept. Next year, now you're going to have to open the game and have like a roller coaster or something, man. <laughs> <laughs> if I tell you what we what went like. I, there, we could do an entire other discussion on on why you may or may not ever want to bring a Ferris wheel to your event because that was quite another. <laughs> I'm sure. So here, w one last question. So people people who run events or people like I know a lot of people who do meetups and stuff like that, and they may be thinking of taking it to the next step. What type of advice would you give them? A lot of people see propeller or Propellify, our first year of the event was called Propeller. We had to do a little bit of a name change to Propellify. But a lot of people see what we did as, wow, that was your first year just you know, two years ago, and then 2017 was your second year, and it's gone really well. And that's true. But what some people fail to realize is that I've been working in this space now for the last seven years, uh, getting a deep understanding of what it means to engage an audience in an effective and authentic way. And so I think starting small to see if you know the MVP model in some way uh, works really well, even in the event space. If there are people who've already done that, and they think they've, you know, they want to do something like this in their area, one is maybe call us to see if there's a way to collaborate. But two, make sure you have broad support from the community, because that's what I really built over the last seven years. We invited in founders of founder groups and, and some of the larger and smaller tech groups to our community ambassadors pavilion, where we give people free space, they help promote the event. Anyway, the more you can do to loop in the community so that they help promote the event and give it you know, credibility and scale, the better. And we also had early financial sponsors who took a big risk on us. And that's important. You know, we can't underplay enough the fact that this is a very expensive undertaking and you're going to need the support of some big partners. So like for us, we put together a video, a really solid deck. We shopped it around. We got some early buy-in and that led us you know, take a few big steps. And I personally backed the rest of it until, you know, we made it work. But, you know, taking some of those few practical small steps to see, is there interest? Can you get some financial backing? And are you willing to go all in? I'll say this, all my other experiences were, were software based and they gave me the ability to, you know, if we, if we were supposed to launch on Friday, we could move it to, a, to the next Monday. If the next Monday didn't work out, okay, it's Wednesday. You know, it wasn't that big of a deal. That didn't happen all the time, but you had that flexibility. One of the big differences in the event space is when you pick that ship date, like for in our case, like May 20th, 2016, that was it. So you have to make sure you are like a master of, of time management and prioritization because you cannot move that date. So make sure you're prepared, you know, with enough time and enough resources to get there. If you're doing trying to do something at that at that scale, but loop people in, people want to help out, so you don't you don't have to go it alone. Nice, nice one. Well, that's a that's a nice way to finish because that's essentially why you started this in the first place. So, Aaron, last last things. Where do people find out more about Propellify? Because it's it's not just about the event. This is an ongoing community. Yeah, I appreciate that. So if people go to Propellify.com, P-R-O-P-E-L-I-F-Y.com. Uh, they can join our Propellify Insiders beta beta community, which um, what we're really building this out to be, we talked about this before, is you know, how do we engage our community, our Propellify insiders year-round? And so we're putting together an offering that is access to our online community, um, access to the event itself, uh, exclusive invites to other events that we do year-round. So we just did like a founder hike. We're going to do some other dinners and other pop-up events that are only available to our Propellify insiders. Um, and then discounts to a whole host of other uh, you know, meetups, events, and groups, and things like that. So, if people want to get involved, we'd love for them to uh, to sign up as one of the Propellify insiders. While it's still now in beta, it's free. 
Um, and so I'd love to, you know, follow us on social. We're at Let's Propel on all, all social media and uh, say hello. You know, let us know what we can do better. That, that's a big part. You know, customer feedback for us is what drives almost all the decisions. So if you see something that we can do better, let us know. Nice one, man. Aaron Price, CEO and founder of Propelfly. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. So now on the Innovation Show, welcome Ben Rafi, CEO and founder of Grow Labs. Welcome to the show, Ben. Thanks, Aidan. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Let, let's talk about your, your background first, because I know you, you're from France, but you've moved over to Montreal, and now you're in San Fran. So let us know a little bit about that journey and how you got to starting Grow Labs. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I'm originally from France. Uh, when I was 18, I moved to Canada on my own for college. Uh, I studied engineering in, in Montreal. Uh, so I stayed there about five years, and then I moved to Toronto for work. Uh, I started my career in management consulting, and a good nine months in, I actually decided to leave management consulting to start my own business. Uh, so my first business was about seven years ago. Uh, started in Toronto and built an app for event organizers. Uh, you know, built a team, raised some funding, and then soon realized that I had to do a lot of sales, and we were targeting small and medium-sized businesses. Uh, so I had to like really build you know an engine to generate sales uh, at scale for a lot of different businesses, uh, and that was very challenging. And there was not a lot of good solutions uh, that was helping me do that. I tried a lot of different tools, a lot of different software, but we ended up building a lot ourselves. Uh, so about two years ago, I moved to no three years ago, I moved to San Francisco. About two years ago, I sold my first business uh, to Live Nation Ticketmaster, who are the leader, you know, in the event ticketing space for event organizers. A very su- successful success uh, exit. And then, you know, I realized that there was a really big opportunity to help other entrepreneurs, other small businesses uh, to target uh, and do lead generation and outbound sales at scale, which is what I had a lot of experience with. Uh, and so I started Grow Labs about a year ago. And uh, basically what we do is we work with B2B companies and we have them identify new clients and reach out to them, convert them uh, at scale. And we use machine learning, artificial intelligence to optimize how we reach out to people, who we reach out to, uh, and so on. Okay. And so, so, so that part is really interesting because like, how, how do you target? Does that need input from the client, from your client? So, so say I'm a business and I'm targeting B2B is my world. Um, yeah. So, so do I fill out a kind of a very detailed profile of my type of customer? Yeah, yeah. So we call them ICPs, so ideal customer profile. So basically, once you sign up with Grow Labs, you get access to the portal, and from there you can create as many ideal customer profiles as you want. So a lot of businesses, you know, they have different verticals, different niche, maybe a different segment of the market. So, you know, they may target very very small businesses with one different approach like mid-sized businesses with a different approach. And we actually recommend to use as many segments as, uh, as possible because that way you can actually create different messaging. So we allow you to create a cadence of emails. All of those emails are actually sent on behalf of your reps. It looks like it's coming you know, from the rep of the company. And the more targeted, the more tailored the, 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 the audience, the more tailored the messaging, and typically the better the conversion. So, so say here's the here's the challenge, right? That you probably get the whole time is, so I'm trying to be, I'm trying to create a relationship or rapport with somebody, and then I'm using AI or I'm using your two grow labs. How how do I get around that? Yeah, so you know it's it's a very 
It's a very subtle art. So basically, it's all about, you know, building a connection. Uh, but, you know, when you target SMBs, when you can mid-market, you have to do that skill. You have to do it efficiently. So what we allow our clients to do is we have, you know, merge tags. So you can actually customize the way the emails look, um, you know, use like first name, company name, and so on to really customize the messaging. And again, because of the filtering that we allow them to do, you can actually create very customized message. So for example, one of our filter is funding. So based on the funding amount, you can actually customize the messaging. Based on the industry, you can customize the messaging. Uh, we also have one called technologies. So we actually can detect what sort of technologies businesses use. So in your messaging, it's like, hey, we realize you use Salesforce and our app integrates with you know, Salesforce. And if you use Salesforce, I've seen benefits from that. So you can really sell them in a very customized way. And it, it looks you know, it really looks like it's coming from the real person. It's not those like, you know, marketing emails with banners and images and so on. It's really like a plain text email. Um, it looks like it's coming from, you know, John at company A and company and John is trying to, to get you on the phone to, to see if it's a good fit to, to sell his product. So, so it looks like it's coming from my own email client. So it looks like it's coming from whatever Outlook or Gmail, whatever I use. Ex exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so, so, Here's a question, right? So I I remember, you know, when you get these emails and you, you the, the irony was once I, I got one and it was like trying to sell customer targeting, right? And it was an automated email and it was about personalization in customer targeting. And yeah. when I opened it on my iPhone, it was uh, dear uh, square brackets first name, you know, and yeah. it was straight yeah. away I was like, this you lost me straight away. And oh, for sure. Yeah, you have to be very careful about how you do it. So, I mean, there are two key things. One is, you know, the, the leads themselves, like you need very high quality leads. And two, you need a very sophisticated sales outbound system. And, and all of the uh, all of the automation system out there are really focused on like, you know, marketing, like re-engaging existing customers. And we've really taken a different approach of focusing on one-to-one -one sales automation, uh, which is really, really difficult uh, but we do that really, really well. And, um, you know, we're actually seeing really amazing conversion rates uh, between 3 to 7% of people actually respond positively to the emails and get on demos uh, with our clients. Okay. And, and do you, would you feel, like you mentioned, you know, you, you, you worked for a Boston uh, consulting group and you worked in B2B before. Would you feel, is it, is it more for a technology company or, or can it be used at any level? So it, we have clients all over the, the, the place. So basically, you know, a, a lot of our clients are like SaaS-based businesses, technology businesses, but also a lot of agencies, you know, marketing agencies, even recruiting agencies. Anyone who, you know, works in the B2B world, it works really well. In terms of stage, uh, it, it's a really good fit when people have done a little bit of engagement before. They kind of know who they want to target. They know what messaging has worked in the past. Uh, so we work anywhere from, you know, Series A, Series B companies like startups, all the way to Fortune 500 clients. Uh, one of our clients has, you know, 2,100 sales reps. Uh, so it really is, it makes their lives way more, way easier and we make them way more productive. Yeah, because I was thinking about that. Like, if you really think about it, it, it's more of an investment from the client than a sale by you. Because if if you're paying a sales rep and, you know, whatever, I know in in the States here, the, the cost of sales reps are quite high. So if you're paying a sales rep 200, 300K and they're spending half their day every day cold emailing people. And oh, abs absolutely. 
Yeah. Like what, we, what we've realized with our research is like outbound sales reps or inside sales reps, they typically spend 60 to 70% of their time researching, call calling, following up, cold emailing, setting up bookings. And with our system, that that is taken away. And we really do that with our machine learning algorithm, you know, nurture the leads. And what we actually do is we analyze every single email response with a natural language processing system. And if there's a positive intent, meaning that the lead says like, oh, yeah, I'm interested. I want a demo. I'd like more information about your product. Then it gets passed to the sales reps. So now the sales reps can spend 100% of their time talking to qualified leads. And so we actually use, you know, Grow Labs for our own outreach. And my sales guys, they get uh, new demos uh, every day between 12 and 15. So 12 to 15 new demos every day. There are very, very few you know, sales reps out there that, that do those numbers uh, uh, because they have to spend all of their all of their time doing other things. Sales is is often seen as as a, a lower end role, but if in today's world sales is more about consulting, and the more you can free up the sales rep to be doing that, the more hap- the happier they're going to be as well. Oh, one hundred percent. There's a lot of turnover, you know, in those positions because it's very repetitive, very boring. But really, the interesting part is building a relationship with client, is you know, building partnerships, building building conversation and negotiations, and so on. And that's the thing that you want them to focus on. Uh, and so, I think it's really, really important to make sure you know they spend as much time doing that as possible. And Ben, ben does it give you feedback on you know your success rate in certain criteria? So. So all of a sudden, you know, rather than me writing down all the different sales approaches that I've had, it will give me feedback to go, you know, you're better off focusing on this area. And then, yeah, 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 totally. So we actually have really in-depth reporting so you can see which audience perform better. You can also see, you know, all the way down to the template level, like which template, which messaging resonates better, which is audience. Uh, But even going further than that, uh, we're building an algorithm that's going to recommend uh, clients that are similar to the one that convert. So we actually know who responds positively to email. We know information about their companies, you know, the size, the number of employees, the industry. We know information about the contact itself. So we know who are the decision makers that actually respond positively. And then based on that, we can actually recommend other people uh, that are similar that you should target. Okay. And, and then the messaging, does it give you, you know, feedback on cert- this type of message? So like an A-B test essentially and go. Yeah, this- absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent. Got you. So, any anything else that that I'm missing that that this tool does? It's really about helping the clients identify the right contact, the right leads, nurture them, and then we triage all of these responses. And only when there's a positive response, we pass it back uh, to the sales reps. Uh, one interesting aspect about you know how different we are is really the quality of the data. So we have exclusively exclusive data partnership with a lot of data exchanges. We have API integration with a lot of different, you know, data databases. We also have like real people. So we have actually researchers that research information about companies, about contacts, update it. And, and because we own the engagement, you know, we send the emails on behalf of all our clients. We know who opens the email. We know if it bounces or not, if the lead is outdated or not. That actually gets feedback into our database. So the database actually gets better and better and better. And we have really rich conversion from that. And the reason for that is because of that feedback loop. Like, you know, most of the Legion company are there. They're going to sell you a list, but it's kind of like a black box. They have no idea that list is good. The more they sell it, the more time they wait 
the lower the quality, like those leads get outdated. But because we own the, the outreach, we're actually able to update that database way more frequently. And, um, you know, the database gets richer, uh, which benefits all, all of our clients. And, and do you, does it integrate with tools like LinkedIn, Ben? So, like, a lot of people would use LinkedIn as a way to engage with clients. Or potentially. Yeah, so so we actually integrated with most of, was most CRM systems. So that's the primary integration that we've been focusing on because obviously a lot of clients, you know, have their own other channels, they have their own clients, they have people they've already reached out to. So you want to make sure you don't reach out to people that they've already reaching out to. So we have a two-way integration with Salesforce uh, and a bunch of other CRMs like Pipedrive, Fresh Shells, and, and so on. Uh, and that's really, really helpful. Uh, we also have an integration with you know Gmail and Outlook, uh, so you can know exactly uh, the emails and then push the right emails to, to the rep's inbox. All right, and then final question, just to, cl- to be fu- fully clear on this. So the, the leads actually come from you rather than the client going and inputting the leads, or did the client input a list of people and flag them as I've already contacted or not? How does that work? Yeah. Yeah, so most of the leads come from us, you know, like we, like most clients use us to generate net new leads. Uh, however, some clients do have, you know, a target market, a target list of people that they want to engage. Maybe it's, you know, people that have tried their products for free and they want to engage the company. Uh, so we have different tools where they can either import their own leads or they can import a list of companies. So let's say you have 5,000 companies you want to go after and you want to target the VP of marketing. So you can actually input your list of 5,000 companies and then type some job titles, maybe type some different uh, company size or so on, and then we'll find the, the, the overlap and the match and give you the leads. Uh, so it really depends on the stage of the, the client and, and what type of lead they want. Uh, I would say in about 60 to 70% of the case, uh, the clients do want net new leads though. Brilliant, okay. And so where can people find out more about it, Ben? Yeah, so our website is growlabs.com. Uh, my email is ben at growlabs.com. Feel free to email me as well. Um, you know, we, we have clients all over, both in, in Europe. In, we actually have some clients in Africa, clients in Australia, obviously a lot of clients in the U.S. and Canada. Um, but, yeah, if, you, if you're a B2B business, uh, you know, trying to grow your sales, uh, we're more than happy to help, even if it's just, you know, a, a few questions here and there, we, we're always here to help. I was I was laughing to myself. I was saying now now people are going to use your email and put it into your own system and target you. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As long as they're using it. Ben Raffi, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Ben Raffi, CEO and founder of Grow Labs. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks.